after the Sabbath had ended, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Suddenly then an earthquake shook. For an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's been raised. As he said, come and see the place where they lay him. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He's going ahead of you to Galilee and there you will see him. This is my message for you. So the women left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. And suddenly Jesus met them on the road and said, Greetings. And they came to him, they took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. Jesus said to them, Get up. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers that I'm going ahead of them to Galilee, and there they will see me. The Gospel of the Lord. Apparently, our fear matters to God. Maybe you have seen or heard something about the notion that phrases like do not be afraid or fear not appear exactly 365 times in the Bible, one time for every day of the year. I think that is just cute enough to be suspicious. But I've never actually counted all of those statements or sentiments, so I don't really know. I don't really care how true that actually might be. But true things are not always cute. And Matthew's gospel had me thinking differently this time around, because the more I spun this Easter gospel around in my mind, the more I just kept hearing about that fear that seemed to be so much a part of things on that first resurrection day, at least as far as Matthew's version of the story goes. What I mean is all this, if you remember, took place in relative darkness as a new day was just beginning to dawn. And as Matthew tells it, an angel showed up in a flash of lightning. The earth shook. The guards at the tomb also shook and then froze with fear. The women, both of those Marys, must have looked terrified because they're told two times, once by that angel who I've come to imagine as the first century Mr. Clean, all shiny and white, crispy and clean himself, and once again by Jesus, who I imagine looked and smelled precisely the opposite after his murder and a couple of long days in the grave. Who wouldn't have been afraid in the middle of all of those circumstances? But when I hear a lot of Christian people preach and teach and talk and post things all over social media about fear, as it relates to our faith, as it relates to God, as it relates to Jesus, as it relates to what brings us here today, the fear too many of them are trying to protect me and protect you and protect others from isn't at all what I hear from Jesus. For instance, I saw this little ditty 
in my Facebook feed this week. I'll read it to you because I don't think you'll be able to see all of it. If you end up in a burning hell for all eternity, it won't be because you have a tattoo or because you have a nose ring or because you drank beer, did drugs or smoked cigarettes or because you spent time in prison. It won't be because you didn't do enough good deeds. It won't be because you didn't belong to the right church. It won't be because of that dumb thing you did that you don't want anyone to know about. It won't be because of what anyone else did to you either. It will be because you refuse to receive Jesus Christ, God the Son, as your personal Lord and Savior. He has already paid for all that stupid and crazy stuff that you've done and all the stupid things you're going to do when he died for you on the cross and rose again. Notice all the exclamation points. He offers salvation as a free gift because, let's face it, if it was up to us to earn it, we would have no chance. The gift of salvation is there for you to receive. The decision is totally up to you. The price for your sins has been paid. The way to heaven for you has been made. Know this. Not making a decision is making a decision. And this is how you know it must be true copied and pasted. You should too. It's very important. This is all very well intended. And I understand what's trying to be shared. The idea that the love of God doesn't have anything to do with tattoos and nose rings or good deeds or religious affiliation, but the premise of it all is as impossible as it is hypocritical. That our eternal salvation is a personal. It's not all about you. And B, that it depends on a decision we were just told we are incapable of making. It's theology that my dad would say is a mild Y and an inch deep. And what makes me really afraid is my suspicion that it's being preached in more churches than not out there on this Easter morning. Because I say, don't come at me with the threat and the potential of burning in hell for all of eternity and then follow it up with words of grace and the promise of a free gift only if I'm strong enough or faithful enough or smart enough to make the right choice. One of these things is not like the other. You can't have it both ways. This is religious fear-mongering. It is theological whiplash. It is a lie. And it's nothing like what Jesus ever says or ever does, especially that first Easter day. The point of today The message of Good Friday's cross and of Easter's empty tomb is precisely that we are not up to this challenge, you and I. We can't muster this kind of faith. We are terrible at choosing wisely and faithfully all the time. And because of that, God and Jesus made a choice on our behalf. God chose 
the hell of suffering and death that was Jesus' crucifixion so that we could see the depth, not of hell, but so that we could see the depth of God's love for us. God made the decision that finds us here today because humanity has proven incapable of that again and again and again and again. So this morning when Jesus tells the women not to be afraid, he's not talking about burning forever in some kind of an eternal hell. When Jesus tells the women not to be afraid, I imagine some of it had to do with the earthquake and the glowing angel and the presumption that they might be talking to a ghost. But I wondered too this time around if what he really wanted them to not be afraid of was life as they would come to know it now that they had encountered life and not death on the other side of his empty tomb. In other words, as I like to say it, Jesus wasn't ever trying to scare them away from hell. He was always and only trying to love them into heaven. Jesus is never trying to scare us away from hell. That'd be too easy. He was always and only, is always and only trying to love us into heaven. And our response to life on the other side of that kind of grace can be scary when we take it seriously. So I hear Jesus saying to the Marys today, do not be afraid, but things are about to get real. Do not be afraid, but things are about to change for you. Do not be afraid, but everything is different from now on for you, for me, for us, for the world, now that this has actually happened. Do not be afraid, but you might find yourself doing things and saying things and going places you never thought you would or could do or say or go. Do not be afraid, but go and love those people who did that to me on Friday. That's the only way they're ever going to believe any of this. Do not be afraid, but go and forgive Peter and all my brothers for denying and for deserting and for doubting me too. Do not be afraid, but go and do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with God, which should have a whole new kind of meaning now. Do not be afraid, but go and forgive your enemies and love your neighbors and feed the hungry, comfort the lonely, set some captives free. Do not be afraid, but go and remind everyone again and again and again and as often as you can say it, that you women were the first ones to hear this gospel good news. It is your story to tell just as much as it is anyone else's. Do not be afraid, but go and beat your swords into plowshares and your spears into pruning hooks and your weapons of war and your guns, and no matter what else you call them or how important they are to you, into garden tools and instruments of peace. Do not be afraid, 
but let your light shine into the darkness of racism and through the shadows of homophobia and more brightly than the oppressive systems that surround you wherever you find them until equity and justice and fairness rule the day. Do not be afraid to work for a purpose, not a paycheck. Do not be afraid to be more generous than seems reasonable. Do not be afraid to be exactly who and exactly how God created you to be. Do not be afraid to rest when necessary, to say no when you have to, to ask for help when you need it, to grieve deeply and as long as it takes, to hope desperately, to trust that God's got this, that God has you, especially in those moments of deep darkness just before the dawn when you're not sure that could possibly be true. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Everything is different on the other side of Easter's empty tomb. And as unsettling and as scary as that might be, God's good news is that the only things banished to hell's eternity are the sin and the shame and the death and the fear that breed there. But none of those things should not, they cannot, they will not keep us from living most fully into God's grace-filled, justice-laden, hope-infused, peaceful life. All of which is promised and meant for all people on this side of heaven and on into eternity. Amen. Alleluia. Happy Easter.